Hello, and welcome to The Go-To for Entrepreneurs in the Know, special edition. My name is Paulina Cameron. I'm the CEO of the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs, a Canadian charity that energizes, educates, mentors, and connects women entrepreneurs to become wildly successful. I'll be your host for this special five-episode week-long program aimed at strengthening your and your business's resilience. I would like to acknowledge that the production of this podcast is taking place on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam nations. This special edition will take you on a resilience journey. You will learn, challenge yourself and your ideas, and you will be empowered to make real changes in your business today so that you will be better prepared as a leader to handle the challenges of tomorrow. We're going to dive into considerations and tangible tools that will equip you in feeling ready, strong, and resilient. To support you through this learning, we've also made a special workbook available for you to download, containing exercises and templates so that you can apply your learnings straight away. Visit resilience.fwe.ca for your free workbook and information on other support to help you along. The Go-To Special Edition is brought to you by the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs in collaboration with the Scotiabank Women Initiative. Support is also generously provided by the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. A huge thank you to our supporters for making this possible. This special edition of The Go-To focuses on resilience, that quality that allows people and organizations to move through adversity and into optimism. Knowing how to position your business during the best of times can feel like solving a cryptic equation, let alone during unprecedented and turbulent times where it feels like everything we knew no longer applies. Today, we're going to talk about how to authentically draft a narrative around your business so that you can meaningfully and effectively connect with your customers. We'll also dive into tactical advice on creating content that will deeply engage and resonate with your community. Grab a glass of water and let's get into it. Before we continue, I am so excited to invite you to a just-launched new digital space, the sharing platform hosted by FWE in partnership with the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. The sharing platform brings our community alive and closer together. It's a space for you to ask for what your business needs and to offer what you have to support others. This bilingual and national platform will allow you to connect with fellow entrepreneurs and supporters from across the country so that you can receive what you need to move your business forward and generously offer what you have back to the community. Visit our website, fwe.ca, to watch a quick how-to video and link to download it today. See you on there. Shitra Anand is a doctoral researcher, innovation and culture change maker, keynote speaker, professor, author, and advisor to high-growth companies. With over 20 years in the technology industry, she has spent time as the head of communications for Microsoft Canada, director of marketing at Telus Corporation, and director of operations at OpenText. Shitra is at the forefront of an important new movement in the workplace, entrepreneurship. Intrapreneurs are the people within your organization who possess an entrepreneurial spirit driving innovation, creative thinking, and new ideas. She is also the author of The Greenhouse Approach, a book about developing groundswell innovation from within organizations, which is now a required reading for the Forbes School of Business MBA program. 
Chitra has an MBA from the Kellogg School of Management and is also currently pursuing her PhD at Bradford University in the UK. And I know she is defending her thesis next week. So I'm so glad that you've made the time to join us here today. Chitra, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's actually a good break. Shitra, you have spent years thinking about and working on building and sharing compelling narratives. You've also led teams in bringing the transformation of a new narrative to life. So we're recording this during COVID, and we are wanting to extract lessons around this time, but also times that will help us in resilience going forward. So when entrepreneurs and business owners suddenly find themselves or unexpectedly find themselves in totally uncharted territory and needing to reinvent how and what they communicate, where can they begin? Yeah, it's a very good question and it's a very timely question. Um, I've kind of applied this thinking um, throughout my journey and in my career, and I think it comes down to one major important point, and it's about taking a worldview in everything that you do. And what I mean by that is, you know, much of the time we get so stuck inside of our own businesses, our own worlds, our own paradigms. And I think it's really important to take a few steps back and sort of pause and look at what's going on um, from a world perspective. And so, you know, uh, culturally, socially, economically, politically, because all of those things that are happening in our world really does drive and dictates business. Um, so it's very important to create those linkages from the external world inside your organization to really drive compelling narratives. So if you think about it, you know, what's happening right now with COVID, you know, we're hearing about many different industries that are, you know, the, the world, the word of the, of the time right now is pivot. People have had mm-hmm. to change directions. People have had to pivot. People have had to change business models. They've had to reshape the way they fundamentally do things. And it's largely driven by what's happening in the world. So it's not just COVID per se in this pandemic, but what's really important to extract is how are people behaving that's differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, never in our time have we ever stopped to sort of take a deep pause on how we, you know, how we eat, how we shop, how we communicate with one another. So many businesses have even um, sprouted as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to say, you know, what what is the silver lining in this or what's relevant or how do I actually create something um, that's compelling for my client base or my customers where we can, where I can develop something new and meaningful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you, you know, connected to that, you have said that knowing what you are in the business of doing is so is key. So knowing where you began, where you are going now, and where you want to go, those three distinctions. Can you walk us through how someone can think through these questions and apply them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think one of the most underutilized but yet most powerful things that businesses can do is really um, identify, you know, very simple questions and they're hard to answer. You know, Mm -hmm. what is it that you're in the business of doing? Because if it's not clear to you, it's not going to be clear to your marketplace. And so what I mean by that, you know, it's much more than, you know, we sell t-shirts or we, uh, you know, we're a grocer or, uh, you know, we produce podcasts or we, you know, we're a tech 
company or we're a luggage, you know, organic company. We produce beautiful luggage. It's, you know, what is your uh, raison d'etre? You know, why mm-hmm. do you exist? What is your purpose? That's got to be sort of this umbrella hierarchical or sort of this, you know, more of a, uh, a general theme. And then from there, you know, you want to ask yourself two really, really important questions. And the first one is really around, you know, what is it? What is the problem that you're solving in the mm-hmm. market? What is it that you're offering to your customers? And what are you taking on? And how does that link back to your purpose? And so those two linkages are extremely important. And once you can contr- determine that, then that is fundamentally and foundationally the way you can start to build your narrative and answer those really, really deep questions. The last question that I would I would propose that that businesses ask themselves is the value that they're providing to their existing customers or to the ones that they want to attract. You know, because in this world, I mean, if you look at the very fundamentals of business, it's really about value exchange. So I'm going to, Mm. you know, get something for, you know, whether it's a, a product or service from your organization. So it has to be value driven. And what is the value that you're providing? And you have to embed those almost into this circular, beautiful sort of um, model that can help tell that story in a really, really compelling way. Mm-hmm. That deeper connection to what is that? What is deeper than just the thing, the product or exactly. the service that you're selling on one of the earlier episodes of this season, we talk about, we talk with Katie Gallagher, who mm. runs Tight Club, which is what, or was an in-person, um, in-person workout studio. And of course, mm. it's now shifted digitally, but she grappled with the question of mm. how do you translate community and what are the specific touch points that make you feel in community, that make you feel seen and heard. Those are the values of really the business. That's her reason for existing is to make people feel seen and heard and what she delivers is the service of the workout so that really connects to me what you're speaking exactly the service you know to your example the exercise or the workout is the tool that Mm -hmm. will enable the community and that's the link it's your product or service is the enabler and what is it that you want to enable in people and hers was around community and you see so much of that, you know, and you've seen even big organizations sort of re-establish uh, um, um, their mantras, if you will. Like even, you know, I spent time at Microsoft and they also went through this transformation of, you know, they didn't want to be known as this organization that was just into the business of software devices or mobile or, or cloud. But now it's really about a, a movement around empowering people to achieve and be, you know, the best, you know, that they can be. And the technology is sort of the enabler to achieve that. And you see that Amazon's doing a certain, a a different thing as well around, you know, what, what they're in the business of doing. So you're seeing a lot of organizations getting deeper into a grander purpose where their product is simply the platform. Mm -hmm. And I guess the benefit for an entrepreneur of going through this exercise and making sure it doesn't feel futile, but they can leverage it further is that if they can really understand that deeper why behind it, the what, even if it changes because of these external circumstances, they can still feel fulfilled by delivering on the why, even if the what becomes different. Yeah, I mean... You know, what's interesting about that is that people want to, um, if you look at what's happening from a market perspective is, you know, you know, people want to have 
better connections with the organizations that they buy from, whether it's a service or a product. And you're seeing that mm-hmm. more and more um, around, you know, you know, in so many different ways. Um, so there has to be something that's rooted in um, something deeper, that's more heartfelt, that's transparent, that's genuine, that has a greater purpose. And that connective tissue is what people are really looking for. So on that note of the connective tissue, you know, there's not only are there countless challenges that can present themselves to a business owner, a recession, a fire that destroys inventory, critical illness, um, pandemics, what are some other golden rules that apply to marketing and the type of messaging that one projects in the world in such times? You know, I think it's really important to um, understand uh, that marketing is very fluid, right? So there's never going to be, you know, one particular, um, uh, you know, uh, operating sort of rule. You know, I look Mm -hmm. at it more as guidelines that are fluid. And we have to be fluid because the world is changing so quickly. Um, And so in order for you to be really tapped into your market, you have to be, um, they have to be very, very fluid and malleable, um, you know, always sort of having this outside in perspective that I talked about from the worldview that sort of leads everything. Um, But I think that the most important thing that I've sort of taken away from, you know, what's happened right now is, uh, is really around how companies behave. So regardless of what the situation may be, I mean, and we're seeing it right now, you know, tenfold with companies having to do layoffs or, you know, restructures or change directions, uh, people are looking at how organizations are behaving in, Mm. in, in sort of the transition through all that. They're almost looking at organizations like human beings. Mm. You know, how are you operating during this crisis? Is it a reaction? Is it with, um, you know, with compassion? Is it with transparency? Um, you know, what are the what are the ways that you're actually behaving? Because a company can say, you know, we are a company that behaves, you know, with um, integrity and fluidity and compassion. But mm-hmm. if that doesn't actually translate into the actions, and the actions are those you know, you know, the way you market or the way you talk about your company and the language that you use and the tonality and et cetera, um, then, then it's not really, it, it, you know, there's a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to take flight on how you're actually executing what it is that you're doing, because that in essence becomes your marketing. That is the perception and that is how you're perceived, that it, that is becomes your brand persona all of that sort of translates into the values of your brand. What are, sorry, how can entrepreneurs evaluate that? How can they see how they're doing or what they're doing so that they can look at it and then see if they want to change anything? Well, it's interesting because I think that, you know, probably the best way to do that is through social channels um, Mm. to have dynamic conversations with your customers. I think entrepreneurs um, you know, I kind of do this comparison of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, I think entrepreneurs are certainly in today's 
day and age are in such an advantage because they can have these dynamic conversations. They can make quick decisions based on feedback, um, mm-hmm. but having, you know, a real um, voice of the customer by, you know, using Twitter, using your, your you know, Instagram, Instagram or YouTube channels or whatever mediums that you have to, con- to have those connections. But as soon as you get comments or suggestions or feedback, I think that, you know, being able to, um, um, you know, validate them, um, you know, challenge them at times if you need to, you know, or take the feedback. It's like having real time uh, data that can help shape your organization moving forward. So they're at, at every advantage to be able to do that. And once you're doing that, then you help shape your organization in the way that you need to move forward. Mm. Are there any examples that you have seen of companies or businesses or leaders who have gotten that kind of iterative feedback and then changed something? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I've grown up in um, big organizations. So, you know, the only thing that I can, I mean, I mean, if I just saw a real time example of, um, you know, of what we're going through right now with COVID is, um, you know, you're seeing a lot of the um, the food, ch- the food delivery uh, services or the grocery, the grocery mm-hmm. industry, for example. Um, you're seeing um, a lot of groceries now pivoting to online delivery, and it's because they've had feedback. Um, there's obviously a concern about, you know, in-store shopping, some of the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some of the, the concerns around that, and they're quickly pivoting and changing to online groceries. So you're seeing Sobeys that have do it. They're, they're doing a pilot um, with a with a uh, with an online service uh, delivery company. Mm-hmm. You're seeing you're seeing um, other grocers. I think Farm Boys doing that as well. Um, you're seeing Fresh City Farms that are doing that as well. They're sort of pivoting and sort of looking at that. And then you're also seeing new companies that are uh, arising as a result of this. So they're seeing an opportunity. They're seeing some of the concerns that are uh, that are sort of circulating when I talk about worldview, the, the conversations that are happening on the online space, and they're creating businesses out of out of that, essentially. Um, so that's happening at a very organic level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was at um, TELUS, which I spent 10 years there, um, what I thought was quite interesting is they pivoted to use Twitter um, to get some feedback um, about some of the, the issues that, that customers had with their um, mm. cell phone bills and inquiries that they had. And so what they were able to do is leverage um, social media in a real time way in order to address some of those mm-hmm. concerns um you know then you started to see airlines do a similar thing where they're actually using these social channels to have these dynamic quick conversations with customers so you know if you if your flight was delayed or if you had an issue with your flight you could tweet air canada and they would automatically or they would you know very quickly get back to you so they're really starting to use these channels as sort of a customer engagement customer service um types of things you're seeing that with uber as well if you've had a poor experience or if something didn't um uh, get delivered that you needed to i've used that service i've actually tweeted them and they've responded right Mm. away so you're seeing a lot of customers that you're seeing a lot of organizations leveraging these social channels to um to develop deeper more meaningful dialogues with their customers and then they use that as feedback mechanisms and sort of feedback loops to enhance their operations Mm. that's a great example so one of the things that changing a narrative requires is organizational buy-in. So everyone internally within the organization also 
speaking the same language and being really connected and clear and on the same page about how to show up externally. Because as you said, it is about the behaviors that an organization Mm. does. And it's not just one person within the organization, but everyone is looking at everyone within the organization to see those behaviors. What are some best practices that you've seen companies take or ways that are entrepreneurs can think about how to bring to life those yeah. uh, those values, those behaviors, especially in times of transformation or transition? Probably one of the most effective ways to do that is to lead with data. And so mm. I often even, you know, encountered this at my time at Microsoft where, you know, we want, I wanted to go in one particular direction, but the company was, you know, going, so used to going a certain way. But what I would bring to the table was a well thought out plan that um, that was full of data points and data points as it relates to you know whatever idea you're trying to sell or you know this makes sense because of X Y and Z and here's the facts and data to back it up here are some examples and so when you can do that it adds more um, it adds more um, tangibility to the idea or the project it gives more validation it it, it really shows that you've researched the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it really shows, you know, when you have um, a plan that's really well thought out, and if there's going to be roadblocks or challenges and opportunity, it really demonstrates that you've thought out, you've gone down the path uh, in your mind, and you've played it out so that you know, potentially what could happen. Um, and, you know, sort of course correct along the way, if there are issues. So, you know, so having a really well thought out plan, that's that's led by data and research really, really helps you anchor the the idea or project or initiative or sort of change in direction that you want to go. So speaking about relevance and connecting with audience, a comment I've heard from some entrepreneurs is that Mm. selling their products or services during challenging or unstable times can feel icky. What is your perspective on that? Well, I think it really comes down to, you know, how you're positioning the product or service. Um, I think that you have to be careful around the timeliness of it. But at the end of the day, it's really about value. So, you know, how is your product or service going to be of value back to the end consumer? So your example earlier about the... um, the fitness uh, facility, like, you know, an online fitness, you know, everybody's pivoting to online now, right, to do all these classes mm-hmm. online. But your, you know, but the founder of that of the center really is around community. And, you know, we've never needed community now more than ever before. But we also have to be active because, you know, we need to be taking care of our, our, our um, health and wellness. And that's also super important. So it's really about how are you positioning that? So I don't think that people mm-hmm. should be afraid of feeling badly about selling their product or service. It's really has to come from the point of view of value. What is the value that my product or service is going to give this person during this time, but understanding the worldview, which is, you know, we're in this pandemic and, you know, there's so many restrictions and constrictions, then how do I reposition or how do I pivot or how do I find new points of value creation for mm-hmm. my client that I can, I can continue, continue that, that, uh, that rapport. 
So the last question Shutra I have for you today is mm. what does having a resilient mindset mean for you and how do you actively foster it for yourself? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. So, you know, if you look at resilience um, overall, I mean, it's defined as, you know, your capacity to recover quickly from a difficult situation um, and really having mental toughness. So I would divide it into two categories. Um, personally, it's really about having mental focus um, and mm-hmm. being able to focus on whatever it is that you're doing. You know, for me right now, it's my dissertation, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just being laser focused on what it is that I need to achieve. And it's very difficult to do that, obviously, because we have many distractions Mm-hmm. you know, in our, in our new world, whether it's, you know, you know, uh, technology and family and, you know, et cetera, but it's really the ability to focus. Um, the second one, personally, I would say is, you know, part of that is about staying in your own lane. And um, mm. what that really means to me is being not so concerned about what other people are doing or saying, but really being focused on um, what it is that you need to achieve and just being super laser focused. And that's a very, mm-hmm. very difficult thing to do. But when you can do that, then the outcomes are on a really positive trajectory. Mm-hmm. And on the per- on the professional side, I would say a couple of things. So number one is really staying grounded with your feet on the ground on, you know, the business that you're in, the business that you're, the clients that you're serving, the value that you're trying to create for your customers and staying focused on that and really Mm. about the outcomes that you want to achieve. So what is it that you're doing? What is it that you want to achieve? And super focused on outcomes, not necessarily about, Mm. you know, the politics or the ego, et cetera, but really about what is it the guiding North principle that you're focused on the outcome and really ensuring that you're being adaptable. So, I mean, you know, it's a great example right now. I mean, I've seen entrepreneurs having to abandon their business right now and pivot Mm -hmm. to something completely different because they need to sort of reinvent themselves in a different way. So it's being able to be adaptive, but, you know, also letting go of the things that you just simply can't control, right? So Mm -hmm. knowing what you can control and can't control and moving and moving quickly and not getting um, sort of, uh, you know, uh, pulled back by, um, all of the things, you know, whether it's, you know, pride and ego, which are very, very difficult, you know, in the business mm-hmm. side, particularly if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, but just doing what you need to do in order to achieve that. Um, and so, you know, being able to, you know, be agile and adapt and all that stuff is really, really important in this time and particularly of resiliency. Shutra, thank you so much for joining us and for walking us through these frameworks and perspectives for creating compelling, authentic, and resilient narratives. For those who want to learn more about you and follow you online, where can they find you? Okay, so I mean, I have a website, so chitraanand.com. I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter. Um, and even during this uh, very difficult time, I'm offering. Um, some coaching. Um, so if 
anybody needs to talk or just wants to talk about their business idea, they can go book some time with me on my website. Um, and I'm happy to have, you know, a 30 minute chat with anyone. And I know how difficult and challenging things are right now. So um, I'm offering my time to those who, uh, who need some coaching. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that generosity. And thank you for joining us today. Thank, thank you. The Scotiabank Women Initiative is once again collaborating with FWE to provide the special edition of The Go-To. Together, we're responding to the challenges faced by women entrepreneurs during these uncertain times. The Scotiabank Women Initiative supports women-led businesses, no matter what stage of growth. In addition to our online knowledge center, Scotiabank customers who join the program get access to group mentorship sessions with one of our advisory board members. Our advisory board is composed of Scotiabank executives who provide expertise on a number of key topics that will help them grow their business. After you listen to this podcast, we invite you to scotiabankwomeninitiative.com to find a program expert near you to talk about how we can help support your business. Taylor Lauren is the Director of Content Marketing at Later, the number one Instagram marketing platform. She is passionate about helping entrepreneurs grow their business through the power of Instagram marketing, which she does through the popular Later blog and free online Instagram courses. Taylor was named a LinkedIn top voice of social media marketing and awarded best startup marketing in Canada. I've also really admired how Taylor shows up as a real human on Instagram and have found her content to be really uh, engaging and encouraging. So welcome, Taylor. It is so great to have you on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so knowing what to say and how to say it so that you're meaningfully connecting with community is such a critical skill and is so important for business owners. So your work at Later is all about integrating, sorting, and finding uh, and managing the best content for online messaging and eventually for businesses to sell online. And you also manage your own personal brand. What would you say are some straightforward tactics that small business owners can apply to create a unified voice, to leverage different types of content, and to generate sales? Yeah, that's an amazing question. So first of all, I think unified voice is such an important part, especially in this time right now. Um, Your copy and how you're presenting yourself through your brand voice is more important than it ever has been before. So a a good tip I like to think about is just always remember that you should write as if you're talking to one person. So that's why it's really important for you to truly know your target audience and really know those personas and know who your customers are. Um, because then you're going to have a better idea of who you're talking to. And once you have the sense of who that one person is, then your voice will naturally follow a lot of the times. Um, when you try to speak to multiple people or different personas, that's where your brand voice can get a little bit muddied and complicated sometimes. So I think that's like a good tip to start from. And, you know, more than ever right now, when you're, especially when you're thinking about the copy, whether it's, you know, the caption of an Instagram post, or it's an email you're sending out or really anything, it's more important than ever before to have so much empathy right now. So I think like every voice should should come from an empathetic lens. And when it comes to talking about like different types of content, especially with social content, I think that now is a really great time 
to be focused on content that retains your existing audience um, for, instead of looking for content that is maybe trying to get you like new followers. I think now more than ever, it's important to keep the followers that you already have and stay top of mind with them. And this is especially true for, you know, some businesses aren't able to be doing business right now, or their business has slowed dramatically. You know, you think about anyone in like the events space and things like that. Um, So you want to still try and be producing types of content that is valuable to people. And you want to really be making your social channels like a hub of content that is related to your brand. So, you know, for us at Later, education is super important to us um, as far as our marketing goes. So we want our Instagram to be, you know, a resource hub for people to go to. For some brands, maybe that you're creating an inspiration hub right now and you're just sharing a lot of really cool user-generated content or things that make people happy, but it's still a place people can go to to feel inspired. Whatever it is, you just want to uh, show up in your content for your audience and you want to stay top of mind. So especially if you're not able to do business right now, there will become a time in the future where, you know, people are ready to make those purchasing decisions or hire a wedding photographer and you want to be top of mind for people right when um, they're ready to make that decision. So creating content and staying active on social media now is really important to retain those followers and stay top of mind. Um, and at the same time, you know, Instagram usage has increased by (laughs) over 50%, which is crazy. Instagram live has increased by over 70%. I swear every time I log in, it gives me like all the notifications of everyone being live. (laughs) It's crazy. I mean, like I follow an insane amount of accounts. Like I think I follow over 2,500 accounts, but the top of my feed, I'm having to scroll so far now before (laughs) I ever even see stories. It's just like all Instagram live, but it's clearly working. And, you know, some people are maybe tired of it, but some people are just like more into it than they ever were before. So video is also a really great way for you to stay connected with your audience. And even if it's outside of live, you know, we've seen way more people using IGTV, for example. And, you know, it's a just goes to show like your IGTV videos, they don't need to be these really long, heavy produced content pieces. It can just be, you know, you put your phone up and you talk into the camera and that's your IGTV video. And you're giving up a little two minute update on your business or your life and how the, what's happening for you right now. Um, or you're jumping on stories and showing up and just doing a little update with your face and you're showing up for your community. So, um, Yeah, I think those are some different ways that people can be like leveraging a bunch of different content types right now. It's so interesting how you talked about, you know, what can your content be now, especially if you're not running a business, I could see how it would be how someone could think, well, I'm not doing my business. I should just not do social media. But I really liked the way you position it as what can you do in terms of content to either be helpful or inspirational or how can you engage? Because you're right. Here's a a moment of time that we are in and this moment of time won't be the same in the future and other things will happen again in the future. But how can you stay top of mind? Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, when you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, and you're running a business, there's so many things that you always want to be doing or want to get around to do. And so you can use this time to, you know, like 
Maybe your social accounts need a little bit of a refresh and you need to spend some time maybe archiving some old posts or creating new highlight covers, or maybe you want to just update your brand or update your brand examples or your portfolio, things like that. And so even if you don't feel like there's, you know, your business isn't operating and you feel like you shouldn't be posting on social, it's the opposite. You should be posting more on social and using this time to really get everything up to par so that when your business is open again, then you're like set up for success more than you were before. So, Mm. So as entrepreneurs are doing all these things online and, you know, maybe throwing a little bit of spaghetti against the wall to see what will stick and what will work with their audience, what are, and, you know, there's also like fads and trends like TikTok or influencers Mm -hmm. or micro influencers. Can you walk us through how entrepreneurs can think about assessing what their best ROI will come from and then how to... Uh, how to develop a strategy based on that. And also with knowing that there's these unicorn algorithms happening behind the scenes that may or may not shift or change that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I can answer the algorithm question up front because that's probably one of the most common questions I get is about the Instagram algorithm. Um, So I think that people should focus more on the content that they're creating and focus less on trying to hack their algorithm. because. At the end of the day, the Instagram algorithm, it's not just like one algorithm that always exists that you can hack out. It's literally being updated every single day. It's always changing as user behavior on Instagram changes. So, and it's becoming so sophisticated too. It's kind of like if you think about the Google search algorithm now, it it knows what content is about, even if you don't have like 20,000 keywords in it. It's become so intelligent. So, you know, it, is Google will surface, you know, the best blog posts for a certain topic for you based on um, how, you know, how valuable people find them. The Instagram algorithm is, is kind of the same way. So if you focus on creating content that is going to serve your audience, it's going to be valuable. It's, you know, providing something of value to people, whether that's through, you know, inspiration or education, um, then that's good. The algorithm's going to recognize that and work for you. Um, it's going to be a way better use of your time to just really focus on those content pieces than it is to sit down and try all these little hacky different ways you can you can kind of try to to gain game the algorithm. So that's not the answer most people like to hear. But I think at the end of the day, if you're just focused on the community that you do have um, and focus on creating content that serves them, that's ultimately going to going to help you in the end versus trying, you know, which hashtag is going to get you the most likes. Um, so TikTok is an amazing platform. I'm obsessed with it. It's really easy to, you know, go viral and get a lot of followers. But at the end of the day, is that going to, you know, really move your bottom line? Are you going to get a ton of sales from it right now? No, it's more of a like investment in the future and it's kind of a brand awareness play if anything but i would say like tiktok should be you should definitely like you know play around with it understand it but you do need to go all in on tiktok right now if you're a small business and what you really need right now is to make more sales no tiktok isn't going to be your answer to that um can you share some examples of businesses that you think are doing this really well like that are connecting with community well that are doing so in a way that feels authentic and is also helping them drive their business Yeah so I think 
the first brand that comes to my mind is Bandeau. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, they're great. Yes, they're amazing. So for those of for those of you who aren't, um, Bando is an online store. Uh, they create their own products. They carry some other people's products, and they do an amazing, amazing job on social media because I think they goes back to again knowing your target market. They know their audience so well. They have that dialed in. They know exactly who they are speaking to, and as someone who follows them and has bought products from them as a customer, I feel like they are speaking directly to me and I am like their only customer that exists Mm. in a a way, you know? Um, So they really do a good job of speaking to that. So some examples are as a brand, they have chosen to stand for a cause and they have a mission that goes beyond just selling, you know, their cute pool floaties. So I think that comes from, their founder, Jen Gotch, who is um, very vocal about her vulnerabilities and her struggles with mental health. And they have then shifted the company as being a company that is there for like mental health awareness. You know, Bando has now, they're now standing for something more than just the products that they're selling. And it's gone into, you know, they have a mission as a brand for mental health awareness and they create products. Like they have these, um, necklace gold-plated necklaces that have different words on them and resilience is actually one of the ones Mm. that they sell and they did a whole campaign around what it means to be resilient and um they have other ones that say like depression or anxiety and proceeds from those necklaces then go to support like mental health organizations so Mm. that's a super just a good example of you know standing standing for more as a brand and those qualities really matter to people now when it might, they may have to choose between who, what businesses are going to support during this time. So, uh, so, you know, content production and engagement has changed so much over the years. We kind of went from when all these platforms were starting, it was very much one-sided engagement and then you had likes and then now video is in such high demand. As you look forward, I mean, you're so deeply entrenched and knowledgeable on this industry. So as you look forward, what trends do you imagine coming in the near near future? And what can businesses and business owners do now to prepare for them? Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like every single year people say, this is the year for video. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And people are like, all about video every year. But I do think this is the year for video. (laughs) Um, And that comes in parts, right? I mean, it's part of that is looking at how advanced our phones are. And you don't need a camera now to create great video content. I mean, we started an IGTV series at Later uh, the week before we started working from home. And so the first episode was filmed on a camera. And then the rest of the episodes, I had to film them at home by myself in my little apartment. And those are all done on my iPhone. And it's totally fine. Like I have very high content standards and I am totally happy with just filming in selfie mode on a, on an nice. iPhone. So, um, so that's like one thing. Do you have any, people... do you have any tricks for that? What did you do to make it feel good? Yeah, we had a little, um, colored background behind me. So you can't tell I'm at home. So it, it will stand for longer, but I think it's fine. If, you, if people can't tell you're at home, it's normal now. Um, then I just had a little, phone tripod that I set up and I pointed my camera at myself. So in selfie mode, so I could see it because the, I did try it before the other way and I wasn't like centered. It was kind of harder. Like it's not natural to talk into a camera and not be able to see yourselves. I feel like most people are used to being able to see themselves. 
Um, and then I, the game changer for me was I used this app called um, Video Teleprompter 3 or something like that. Um, I have used this. It is amazing. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. And it's like it and you can tempo it. So it moves at your speed of talking, which is so helpful. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't used the app, it's basically it will show your selfie video and it will show the script that you want above your head. Um, so you can, it doesn't record the video like that, but as you're recording, you can see your script. So it looks super natural and you're able to see everything, but, um, still have like some prompts at the same time. So that was a game changer for me. (laughs) Um, yeah. Oh, and a ring light, obviously, definitely. If you're doing any video stuff, a ring light is like the best investment you can make. They're not very expensive. Um, do you just buy them off Amazon? Yep. Yep, buy them off Amazon. Um, you can get you can get like little mini versions that can just like clip onto your computer, or you can get like a full blown ring light. But um, yeah, those are those are definitely important. But um, yeah, so as far as like video production goes, um, you know, you can also edit everything on your phone too. You don't need to know like really complicated um, like video editing software. Like basically, the barrier to entry to video has gotten so low that like you have to take advantage of it. So like I use the app InShot. I'm obsessed with it. If I could probably only have like one content creation app on my phone, it would be that one. InShot? Um, mm-hmm, yeah. The paid version is like, it's like $12 per year. So it's like really, really affordable. And it's basically like iMovie on steroids or something. And you can mm. do all this video editing, um, audio, stuff like that, all just from your phone, which is wow. amazing. Yeah. So that comes in super handy. You can like crop videos and stuff. So that comes in super handy because videos are, you know, it's not just doing live or IGTV. Mm -hmm. I mean, stories is such a, is a super important part of Instagram. Lots of people are spending more time watching stories than they are scrolling through their feed now. So if you're not showing up on stories all the time, you're missing out on, you know, a huge part of your Instagram audience. So, um, yeah. So So video is here to stay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that, and that goes over to like, you know, thinking about more trends of like TikTok, like that's all mm-hmm. video oriented and also mobile video specifically. So I love TikTok. I'm so obsessed with it. So people should definitely like understand what it is. Like I said, like if, you, if you're feeling stretched as a business, um, it's probably not the most valuable platform for you to be on. But as far as like looking forward to trends, and I think we could have already seen a huge shift in the way people are showing up on Instagram because of TikTok's influence. Um, you know, different challenges or trends that we popular on TikTok have like a trickle down effect now where they slowly make their way over to Instagram. Finally, I think, you know, here in Canada, we haven't had Instagram likes for a year now. Um, so like showing the number of people who liked it. Is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 So that's like totally normal for us, but that's mm-hmm. not the case in the U.S. and other parts of the world. Know. So they are like slowly testing that globally in all those markets, but it hasn't been rolled out to everyone. I mm-hmm. really think it will be soon. Um, but but with once Instagram does like remove likes for everybody, I think we're going to see a really big shift in the types of content that people post because the the whole like idea behind removing likes is to basically 
get people to post more. Um, that's my theory at least. Um, because people now like, for example, on Instagram feed posts and you're like, it has to be like the best of the best or like it's, you know, it's not like your stories where people are comfortable just like posting whatever your feed, there's like a higher caliber of content. So then people kind of like post less or they kick as they care about more, they care about their engagement more. So if, likes aren't there then people are potentially encouraged to like be posting more or getting more creative and trying new things with their content because they're not worried about how many likes it's going to be if it doesn't get a lot of likes then they're not worried about how that like looks on mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. or their brand or their business so um I think that's gonna be really exciting just kind of having the feed become a bit more of a like authentic in real content like mm-hmm. stories is and having that kind of weave through all of Instagram instead of it having to be, you know, your stories is somewhere you show up with no makeup and that's fine. And then your feed is like your perfect selfie, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, That'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see then what the dynamic is between stories and posts, if they become so interchangeable almost. Yeah. Um, Okay, I want to ask you, are there any uh, tips or tricks or tools within Later that you wish every user used or knew about or things that you're just, you love in there that you're like, oh, if you're not using this, you're crazy. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I've never been asked that before. I love it. Okay, so um, the number one thing that I don't think a lot of people know is when you write your captions in Later. So we have a... um, you can use later like on the web, like on your computer, or you can use our mobile app. Our web app has a ton more features than the mobile app does. Mm. But one of the best things I love about being able to like plan out all your Instagram content from your computer is it's so much easier to like sit down and write out your captions. But when you're writing your captions in later, and if you press like enter to basically make like a paragraph spacing and you do that throughout your posts and you save it, when you, it publishes through later, it'll actually like, keep those spaces. Oh, so, so good. Yeah. So lots of people are always like, how do you make spaces in your Instagram caption? Because if you just, you know, make those mm-hmm. hit return in the Instagram app, it doesn't actually keep those spaces. So um, that's like one very valuable thing that I don't think a lot of people realize until they actually start using it. Um, and then same thing there we have um, for hashtags. I know hashtags are a really controversial subject for a lot of people, but um they are proven to like increase engagement. So we have um, a few hashtag specific tools. So um, we have this feature called saved captions. It's a little bit confusing, Um, but most people use it for hashtags and you could basically do all your hashtag research and then organize them in different like sets or categories. So you're going to post like a food photo. You just have to click one button and all your food hashtags are going to go in there. Um, Oh, that's helpful. Yeah. Or if it's, you know, a location or whatever your categories are, you can set that all up. And we also have um, a tool called hashtag suggestions. So you just type in one hashtag and it'll give you a bunch of related ones too. So you can kind of populate them that way. And then you can also schedule the first comment with your post as well. So if you don't want to put your hashtags in your caption Mm -hmm. and you want them to be in the first comment, you can do that now too. So, okay. And which one should you do? Does it matter? It doesn't matter. Um, I think that, like, personally, I try. I don't try and, like, max out, ha- like, the 30 hashtags that you're allowed to have. 
I think it'd be really hard to find like 30 really targeted and great hashtags that people should be using. But if you can find that, that's great. I would, you know, I'm more of a like five to eight hashtags type of person. Um, but and you think in the post or first comment doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter if you're going to do like 30 hashtags, you should probably do it in the first comment. Um, but basically, you just don't want your hashtags to like come across as spammy for somebody. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. you don't want them to de- detract from the overall like CTA that you're trying to have in your caption. So if you have a caption that's, you know, has a call to action to, um, you know, check out the link in your bio, that should be prominent, not the like 20,000 hashtags underneath it. So mm-hmm. nice. Thank you. Okay. So Taylor, last question for today. What does having a resilient mindset mean for you and how do you actively foster it for yourself? I think that's such a good question because resilience has such a different meaning to each individual person. So resilience for me, most of the time is just being able to, you know, like get out of my bed every day. Cause sometimes like that can be really difficult for me. Um, and so, you know, resilience is all about like overcoming challenges and being able to adapt and pivot and, you know, stay strong through all those times. But I think it's also being able to, um, you know, recognize your vulnerabilities and being, and being okay to like sit with those. So, um, I think that I feel like resilience is something that I personally struggle with, but I'm always wanting and trying to be, I guess the most resilient that I can, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like there's, obstacles that come up or challenges that come up and they can feel so overwhelming sometimes. But as long as you have like the mindset that you want to overcome it and you want to try, I think that um, just tr- having that in mind and doing the best that you can is is kind of what my resilience mindset would be for me. Mm. And how do you have actively foster that for yourself? I think for me, it's just being able to like seek out help when I need that Mm -hmm. and let people know and not being afraid to like ask for help when I need it. Um, cause that can be obviously like, that's really hard for a lot of people to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so recognizing when you're not going to be able to accomplish everything yourself and you're not going to be able to, um, you know, overcome every obstacle by yourself and being, being okay with putting your hand up and saying, Hey, I need some help right now. And actually like leaning, leaning on other people, and being okay with having your community like support you through those times too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. That makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. It really does. It sure does. Um, the community is so important and it's certainly one of the key reasons why, why we do what we do. So thank you so much, Taylor, for diving in with us and all the things, Instagram and video, uh, for those who want to learn more about you and from you, where can they find you online? Yeah, for sure. My Instagram handle is at taylor.loren and um, you can check out the later blog at later.com slash blog. And that's where we have all, you'll find all of my blog posts and Instagram tips and courses and stuff there. Amazing. Thank you so much, Taylor. Thank you, Shitra and Taylor for joining us today. Share your own experiences or ask questions. Tweet or tag us at FWE Canada. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe so that you'll always be in the know. 
All of this program's episodes are available at fwe.ca slash the go-to. And don't forget to download your free workbook at resilience.fwe.ca. Get exercises and more so that you can apply your learnings to your business today. The Go-To Special Edition is brought to you by the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs in collaboration with the Scotiabank Women Initiative. Support is also generously provided by the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. A huge thanks to both of them. Thank you also to our incredible production team, Self-Hired Media and Hummingbird Translations, both of whom make it possible for us to bring you this podcast in English and in French. Until next time, stay ready, resilient, and strong.